and welcome to another episode of Let It Simmer. Let the It Milwaukee Simmer. Admiral yeah. Podcast. That's the first time I've ever introduced it that way. I'm Aaron Sims, along with Charlie Larson, and today we have a guy who is is one of the more interesting players I think we've had in my time here, Charlie. A right. guy who uh, has excelled on the ice but has things going off the ice as well. And I'm quite impressed by that because when you speak with young players at this level, uh, not a lot of them have their own business, their, their own business, their own, uh, yeah, uh, or, or, or even, uh, quite frankly, plans. Right, or interests outside of hockey. How many guys do we get in here like that? They're just hockey all the time. Well, like yeah. Hockey. And I, th- I think that comes with, with maturity, and I think that comes with meeting other people. And I think This that guy doesn't comes have the maturity, more, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, he's Admiral's defenseman, Josh Healy. Thanks for doing this, Heels. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. That's uh, quite the introduction there. So well, it, 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 it <laughs> is. Uh, we're going to get to all of that. But I, I want to start with um, where you grew up and how you got involved in hockey. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, up north, uh, you know, a couple hours from the border, and it's all hockey there. It's yeah. no eight months a year kind of deal, outdoor rinks, you know, every every other block or so. And for me, like, my dad played, my grandpa played. Um, they played, did they just play, com- did they play professionally, competitively, so high m- school? My grandpa actually played one game with the Red Wings when they were really? an original 16. No, I never knew this. I never knew this either. So what's his name? His name is Rich Healy. Rich Healy. Yeah, so he played uh, for the Oil Kings a little bit. Um, kind of. He's sort of like Moonlight Graham. A little bit like Moonlight Graham. <laughs> was he a doctor? No, <laughs> he was not a doctor. Okay. Um, but anyways, he, he yeah, so he had uh, his three kids, like with him and my, and my grandma. Um, basically, he had to make the decision to play hockey or take care of the family, so he ended up switching uh, switching jobs, and that was the year they went to 12 teams, so he probably would have played a, a lot more games um, than just one. But yeah. 60-61, if you're six, curious. 67, 60, well, 67-68 is when the expansion happened. Yeah, he played for the Red Wings one game in 60-61, also played for the Hershey Bears. Yeah, Might have won a call. Did he win a Calder Cup? Uh, I, I don't know if he won a Calder Cup, but he did say everyone loved going to Hershey because the first star got like five pounds of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one game everyone was playing really hard. He would have played in Hershey, uh, uh, in the old Hershey Park uh, arena there, where Will Chamberlain scored 100 points yeah. in one game. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You played in Hershey. I have not played in Hershey. You did. Never you were with us. We no. played at the at the, at the new place, the Giants Center. But I thought you would have been with the Admirals because we were there. Probably no, the year bef- nineteen. It was se- it was eighteen nineteen when we went with Carl Taylor. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Mark Tenorti's bar. We went to. That's uh, right. Yeah, J- yeah. Mark. T- yeah, Jared's dad, Mark. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. So you grow up around the game in Edmonton. Yep. Where you said it's eight months of outdoor rinks. Yep. How do you put up with that? When it's 25, 30 below Celsius, and you got to get outside and, and skate, because that's all you want to do. And, yeah. and the cold doesn't mean so much when you're seven, eight, nine years old, I guess. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, like, I had uh, an outdoor rink in my backyard. So, on the really cold days, you'd get out there for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then come back in and warm up and, and go back out again. And uh, my sister also played hockey. Yeah. She, uh, Graduated from Minnesota Duluth and played three years pro in uh, Young Joping in Sweden there in the SHL league for the the girls. Um, so it was just us two out in the backdoor rink, a couple neighbors, and yeah, just lots of ice. How, m- how much older is your sister than you? She's two years younger than me. Two years younger than yeah, you. Yeah, she's ninety six. Okay, she's ninety six. So there was never like a 
like you were always probably better than she was, right? Like there was never a point where she's dominating you or anything like that. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing quite like that. Um, I also have two little cousins. One of them's 20 years old right now, playing for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and another one's just transitioning into junior. He's uh, wow. 15, turning 16. So um, this past year, actually, before going to Chicago, we uh, we spent quite a bit of time on the outdoor rink up until January before yeah. or had to report. So it was pretty cool, like you know pretty good skill out there us four would go out and have some fun and then i sure. had a couple other buddies too who hadn't got a teams yet so so yeah. the the outdoor rink still at your house or still at your cousin's house or, yeah, or uh, where the cousins still had an outdoor rink um but definitely not at my place we kind of outgrew that definitely yeah. with the, the size of all four of us out there but just a local rink we'd walk down to and you know just strap them on I'm always intrigued. I wanted to establish where you were from. Uh, so your grandfather played in the NHL. Your dad played. My dad played. He never played at that high of a level. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, midget, double A or whatever. But he always loved the game. He still plays in the in the men's league now and always tries to get me to come out when I can. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he definitely didn't play at a high level, but he wanted that for me and my sister. And, and it worked out great for us being able to go play college, get an education, and obviously play pro now for both of us, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, so he's watching all our games, and the grandparents are watching our games too, getting up early to watch my sister in Sweden. So sure. it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool that it worked out. So I'm assuming the Oilers were your team then as a kid. Yeah, I do like the Edmonton Oilers. Still, they're still my team. I um, actually went to two development camps there and when Leon Dreisaitl was drafted and uh, Connor McDavid. So being on the ice with those two guys is, was pretty cool. So how in the hell did they feel when you went to Calgary to sign <laughs> your first pro contract? Uh, and how did you feel when you went to Calgary to sign your first? I mean, it's an exciting game. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely exciting. Um, my family was all pretty pumped, obviously, you know, and, and NHL deal and, and being so close to home. And I mean, being a flame never was something that I... Really, so why you yeah, yeah, never, yeah. never dream about that, right? Ne never dreamed of, but uh, a lot of my buddies would, would cheer for me, but not not the Flames. So, <laughs> so it's kind of cool that way. But I, I like to establish where you're from because it always intrigues me when a Canadian kid goes to university in the United States. Yeah. S and and bypasses and the Western League or whatever it might be. Right. And my question to to go with that is, did you have the op? Did you were you you weren't drafted. It was always school. Right. Yeah. Was it always school? Or did you want to play in major junior but didn't? So that's that's a big debate, right, with a lot of a lot of people in major Huge junior debate. college. And um, you have to make that decision so early. Young, yeah. Very early. So they just changed the draft to 15 now before it was 14. And when I was 14, I was 5'2", 100 and whatever pounds. Wasn't drafted. Ended up going to one Edmonton Oil Kings camp. Got hit by like a 18 or 19 year old when I was 15. <laughs> kind of got like a bit of a tear in my shoulder. Was out for the rest of the uh, the tryout. So it didn't really go well for me. Right. Um, and honestly, like if I would have been given the opportunity, I probably would have signed and kind of drank the Kool Aid as a lot of a lot of my friends did and a lot be of people. Because people do. growing up in Edmonton, that's all you know. Yeah, right. You got the Oilers, but you also have the Oil Kings. Mm -hmm. And everywhere in but, the Western but League. But that being said, you also have the University of Alberta, right. which is True. the program yep. in the Canadian university system. Yeah, yeah. Ski and Herbers. And, uh, yeah, but typically, like, guys would go to the dub, right, and then come back to Edmonton and play at the U of A. Because you yeah. can do that. You can do that. But you yeah. cannot do that. You can't do that if in NCAA. Yeah. Correct, correct. So, so for me, I, I just never really was physically mature at, you know, 16 to really step into the WHL and, and be a highly touted prospect. Went to Alberta Junior Hockey League just outside Edmonton in Sherwood Park. 
and uh, had a pretty good year at 17, really good year at 18, and then I had a bunch of dub, dub scouts want me to come sign and play for them. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, finish my 18-year-old year in the dub, play 19-20, and then go pro, or I can go, you know, play the rest of my 18-year-old year and then go to college in, uh, in the States somewhere, and then get another four years and get an education. That sounds a little more appealing. So for right. me, the choice was kind of made, but I think for a lot of people – like the WHL, the CHL is like a great route to go, but sure. I, th I think a lot of people think maybe at the time they're better than they are and they kind of get caught up in it. And For then sure. looking back, I mean, I've had numerous, numerous buddies of mine say, man, I wish I would have went to college for that experience. Even guys who signed NHL deals, max entry-level deals, they're like, man, you know what, it was fun in, in the WHL, but... At the end of the day, I wish I would have went to, you know, a school. To and college and, and experience that, that atmosphere, for yeah. sure. And you're two, maybe three years older when you start your pro career, which maybe for you sounds like it, it was beneficial, right? You grew yeah. up, you matured, and you're not 19, right? Look at these 19-year-old kids that we get playing for us. Yeah. They're kids. Yeah. They're kids. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely different, and I think, like, if you're kind of a bubble guy, that's going to be in the AHL or East Coast and you don't have your education, you come out of the, the CHL, like you're probably going to spend some time in the East Coast League, which right. doesn't pay great if you're not on an NHL deal, right? right. So now you just got to battle your way back and then you get to this, this level. But even then, some of the contracts aren't great. So what do you have to fall back on if you have an injury um, or it doesn't quite work out, right? That's kind of kind of the big question. So for me, I'm, I'm very grateful for the route I've I've taken and I'm, I'm really happy to be here with with what you just said about contracts is that something you kind of had a handle on like did you have an advisor or your, maybe it was your parents or your grandfather or whatever did you have a decent idea about all of that stuff or was that something now that it's 2020 hindsight type of thing like oh I can see this this made sense because this was going to happen and I'm glad I did this yeah so it's it's going to be a good segue into uh, the next thing we talk about but that's actually why I started my company the sports ox yeah. because when I was going through the recruitment process with both colleges and agencies like you just didn't know there's no information out there that's actually credible that can help you make a decision you go to an agent website or you know a coach website just testimonies of players they put on there like of right. course it's going to be good news and right. then it's almost you get there you find out he's not for you a year or two later You've missed a contract or two, or put, you know he's been in a tough spot, and uh, then you're kind of out of luck, and you got to start that process again with word of mouth, finding another agent to go with. Colleges too, you're stuck there for four years, right? If and it's all sales, man. It's all like sales. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, what do I have to do today to get you in this car? Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Right. It's uh, yeah, they're salesmen at the end of the day, and a lot of them are great people, but at the end of the day, there's still some guys out there that aren't they're aren't recruiting so josh healy but they're also recruiting yeah they got 10 other guys 10 other guys that of, they yeah. want to come in and it's awesome that you came there but they would like to get all these other players and then suddenly you get there and it's a competition absolutely so kind of back and a four-year ride isn't a four-year ride exactly yeah <laughs> so so back to your point with contracts um basically for me like the way i see it now is that the entry-level contract the player earns like the player from the performance in college yes. or the CHL, they earn that, that entry-level money. It's after that you really need a good advisor, and I think a lot of guys don't have a good advisor, and then they get caught with tough contracts, or so they'll make as much money as so they So when should. you say good advisor, are you talking about somebody looking out for my future, or are you talking about uh, somebody who's blunt? Yeah, I, I would uh, say player agent. So someone who's basically going to be like, hey, I can get you, you know, this much deal based off of what your performance is. And I think a lot of people 
a lot of guys, you know, they'll stick with their agent just out of loyalty. Yeah. When at the end of the day, like, it's not reciprocated. And they don't, right. they don't quite understand that until later. And that's obviously a big part of why I'm trying to promote accountability and transparency with my, with my app because I want players and parents to have the information they need right from the start so they don't get caught in that, oh, do I switch? Do I need to you know find someone else and yeah. we know for what's, what's the best path from yeah what's the best path for me for sure like we've we've had players down here who their agents are like well you're gonna play in the you're gonna play in the nhl so we're gonna get you as much money in the nhl as possible a million dollars in the nhl and they sign him and for the ahl for 40 grand and then he gets on a sent down to the minors and they're pissed mm -hmm. and rightfully so right. because it's not it's it's the agent's fault uh that's that's tough and so you, st you mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the sports ox. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, you, you sort of gave the gist of it, but... So this is something that grew 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, it grew when I was or in... Uh, formed 10 years yeah, ago, I should I say. I was in the arena. That's what it's called in, in Sherwood Park after one of my games. Um, had an agency come up and talk to me and my parents. And as uh, as they were leaving, my mom kind of made a joke about saying, oh, we'll look you up on Rate My Agent. And uh, that that was kind of the end of that until a month and a half later, agent showed up at my house again. And uh, one of the first things he said was, hey, there's no Rate My Agent app or website out there. And it kind of clicked. So he was, he was confused. He, he, was he confused. thought there was he, <laughs> <laughs> he started sweating when he's leaving there. He's like, oh, God, as soon as he gets in his car. Yeah, he, so he definitely went and... Uh, <laughs> and then looked it up and like the look on his face was pretty it was pretty wild and when me and my mom kind of saw that reaction like in in our living room when he came to come visit i was like man like there might be a bit of a there's something a there business here yeah this guy was like seriously worried about what people were saying about him and going through school i'm a finance, I'm a finance major I'm really business minded i wanted to start something if hockey didn't work out and i figured you know what this would be a great opportunity to help you know the good coaches and agents get to the top and be promoted while also providing a service to players and their parents with information that they, they don't currently have to make the most informed decisions. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess I just kind of go into what the Sports Ox is quickly. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and do you do the actual language? Do you do the design the and everything? Yeah. So I don't actually do the coding. Um, that's a little bit beyond my uh, expertise right now. But I do basically do all the framework, um, UX and UI kind of, kind of deal with how it's going to look and function, button size, colors, uh, where everything will go. And then I just hire a, a team who's actually, actually in Ukraine right now, most of them not wow. in Ukraine because they're all uh, have, you know, kind of got, out, got, yeah. got out of the country, which is pretty scary. But That's they, crazy. Um, but yeah, they, they've done a great job with putting everything together for me and I've been very happy with them. I'm sorry, I interrupted about coding and stuff. So go, no, no go ahead. So let's talk what it's about. Yeah, so I kind of mentioned you know, why, why I started to find information, but what I've done is created a hockey database player and uh, inf like personal, uh, personal information and statistical information on players, coaches, agents, teams, agents, agencies. And uh, what we've done is allowed basically everyone to follow certain players so they can select a guy, you know, in the American Hockey League here, guy over in Sweden, and see how they're doing on a, on a nightly basis and seasonal basis to really keep up with different guys in different leagues because if you don't have the nhl app it's hard to find yeah you know the information you want on, on different leagues for, for example i'm going to interrupt you i happen to be on it today and i still have players saved from a couple of seasons ago so i had uh yourself uh, alex carrier and michael huntebrinker mm -hmm. like <laughs> 
three in yeah. a row. That's NHL, AHL, and Michael's uh, over in Sweden or something. I don't even remember where he was, but he's yeah. overseas. So, I mean, it, it had everybody's stats and what's what's going on. Yeah, so it's just a great way to keep track of players across all levels and leagues, which is something that's not out there right now. And uh, on the flip side, with uh, the information, what we do is we allow players to become verified, gain, that gain access to their profile, and then they can anonymously rate and review their past and current coaches and agents for all users to do see. Do you moderate that? We do moderate in the sense that every time there's a review left, it'll end up going to our like our to back you end. first. And just to make sure for like grammatical stuff, you know, or it's, it's things are spelled correctly and it's it not just straight defamation. I was just going to say, know. is there concern on your part that like you're going to get a guy who is just like he had just just he's just soured on just what soured yeah. on what uh, on something and he's just going to write this uh, to blow off not to blow off steam, but just because he's pissed. Yeah, definitely, and that that was a concern and a risk going into it yeah. that, that I was prepared for. But if I'm being totally honest, it's probably been about 80-20 with regards to very like positive, positive, negative. positive and like helpful reviews. And then the 20% is more constructive as to, as to why the guy or the girl is not a great coach, right? It's just like they're not organized for practice or they don't manage lines well. And it's very like analytical. Right. So it can right. actually help you paint a picture as to what kind of coach. It's not, it's not just a guy... This yes, guy because benched not me the, for three games. Right, I'm yeah. not on the power. I took off. I got. I got taken off the power play or whatever. Right, right. So, um, yeah, and again, so I, I kind of put that platform together and, and gave those features to help agents and coaches track players um, across all levels because they got clients, you know, in every league, and then also help players and parents find the information they need on different coaches and agents by allowing their reviews to happen. So. so Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Actually, that, that's that's what's out right now. That's live. Um, everyone has access to that. What's actually just going to be starting under development pretty soon here, which I'm excited about, is the next phase, which will kind of roll into the LinkedIn for hockey. So it's going to be like a very, very, very detailed recruitment platform where players can put on you know, their skills coach, skating coach, their video highlights, SAT score, GPA, graduation date, all that stuff. There oh. will be an in-app messaging system. And then the, the actual ability for players, coaches, and agents, sorry, not just players, but coaches and agents to jump on and get verified and update, update their profile as well. So now they can actually message each other within the app and really just streamline the whole whole communication process. This and and this is we're talking, I mean, if, if a kid has played any, I mean, how old, uh, how, how young are players on here? So we use, we partner with Elite Prospects a little bit. We use their API, and all that means is that if, you know, stats and profiles update on, Automatically. on their yes. website, it'll pull on. So you're getting 14-year-old kids. Yeah. They have stats in these programs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think as early as 10 years old for some of these kids, it's getting younger and younger, which is which is great because it's easier, you know, to keep track of everyone. And um, Some might say it's not so great <laughs> to keep the track of the stats for the 10-year-olds. Yeah, the parents will be on there. Speaking from, a, as a hockey parent, <laughs> there's a lot of nuts out there. Yeah, the parents will be, hey, you know, my kid had a couple more assists. They'll be emailing them. Right, the right, right. The, the ref was terrible last game. He should have had four apples. Yeah, but two, you take away two minuses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's coming down the pipe. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, my goal is to take hockey as, as far as I can um, and then expand it to all other major sports. How do you market this and get you talked about verified players? They have to do the verification, right? Like they have to sign off on something or whatever. How do you, so that's one, par part one, but also how do you market this and let people know? Because you're just one guy and you're in Milwaukee. So how do you get the word out to 
32 NHL teams, 31 American Hockey League teams, players overseas, college, yeah, so on and so on. Definitely, definitely. That's the that's the million dollar question. But with regards to uh, your first question, becoming verified. So what happens is a player will log in, they uh, find their profile, or a coach or an agent, or a coach or an agent. Sorry, that that's not out yet, but it will be out. Okay. Um, they'll they'll log in, they'll find their profile, and then they essentially send in you know a selfie with their ID, and we look at the profile that we have on file. And we look at their, you know, their selfie with their ID, and we either say yes, this is this person, or it's not. And if they're accepted, boom, they now gain access to all their, all their um, information. And I forgot to mention that uh, coaches actually will be able to rate players that they've had. Okay. So that's going to be a pretty, pretty cool feature too. That won't be public knowledge. That'll be for sure. coaches paying for the subscription because at the end of the day, like. It's not really about a competition or you right. know, who has the best review or worst review. It's all about information. And for a college coach to recruit a kid, you know, for four years, they're going to want to know everything they can e- about even him, so. Even in the American Hockey League, we've had players, and again, I, I, I would love to name names, but I'm not going to, but where our coach is like, yeah, I talked to his previous coach about it, and he says he's a great guy. He turns out to be, a, you know, he's a bum. Right. Right? So, like, you just... You never know. You never know. You never know. So that that's kind of one thing I do want to want to like promote as well to college coaches and you know western hockey league coaches even coaches here they're going to trade for a guy they can see what his past coaches have said just just as a character um kind of kind of checklist but going into um yeah the marketing side of things that's that's going to be really interesting for me i'm really excited about it um you know i got a great investment group here that's done some great things with their companies hasn't necessarily been in uh in sports with regards to recruiting you know players and getting them on there but I think they'll have some pretty good ideas as to what we can do, and I mean, I'm, I'm all ears at this point, you know, I, yeah. I, I've never done this before, but, you know, school's taught me a few things about what, what kind of direction I can head, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. That's, that's, what I, that's why I think you're so interesting, because you, you've talked about the, the investment that you've put in time and financially and all of this stuff into this app, and you have for 10 years. Um, I know you invest in some real estate. I know you've... You, you've you've wisely planned for beyond 23 years old which a lot of guys and i'm guilty of it too i did not plan i you know year to year whatever happened day to day i mean that's just that's just how it goes but yeah. you're, you're doing that and i i admire that yeah no I, I appreciate that i mean for me i've never been a huge spender um signed a really really great deal out of college right and show a max deal so i had, had a little bit of money in my pocket and figured i put that into you know, a couple of investment properties. Make it work, um, yeah. And I, I am really blessed to have my mom, who's who's involved with that as well. And Wh- where are these places in Edmonton? They're back, they're back home in Edmonton. Yeah, uh, we got a few places, and uh, she kind of manages them while, while I'm here. And um, obviously, I was able to, able to front some cash for her, so that was. Are was they awesome. are these are they long term rentals or they are not yeah. like not like uh, Airbnbs or anything? No, like not Airbnbs. We got uh, two townhomes. You know. Three ba- three beds, two and a half baths. Um, got some young families in there right now. It's pretty close to our place back home, so it's easy to keep an eye on them. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty fun. You definitely learn a lot about the rental side of things. Like we, we just renovated one, and I don't think people understand how much it costs to renovate the house because oh, yeah. you, you end up pulling back one thing, and it's like, well, now we got to do this or this oh, yeah. this we didn't right. think of. And uh, I, I kind of laugh sometimes because even guys in the room be like, oh, like I'm gonna buy a place and just Airbnb it out and you know 400 bucks a night and i'm like dude what happens when a pipe breaks when you're in texas at three in the morning and the guy's calling you and now you got to find someone there yeah or pay a property management company but if you only have one place 
the 30% they're taking or whatever it is, isn't, you're not going to make any money. You got to have five or six places before you hire a property manager. So, I mean, I think a lot of people overlook how hard it is or how much time it takes to get, you know, a whole business just in real estate up and up and off the ground. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I, 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 I think, as a matter of fact, I think I tried to call you a couple summers ago, and I think you were working on one of them or something like that, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. I, there's one that was being built, so, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that does sound about right. So, so you, you kind of had this plan for a long time, right? Or was this something that, when you go to Ohio State in, the, in 2013, that this is really where it starts to take form? I just, for me, like, I, I never really wanted to work, uh, like, a nine-to-five job of i guess course. i'm, I'm kind of like just business driven and want to do my own do my own thing and i've ex- explored a lot of different ways to kind of have that in life and yeah. i think real estate for me it's obviously like an inflation hedge people need a place to live it's it's a smart investment um and it interests me so that's yeah. something that i went with the sports ox is a little higher risk a little different but i figured you know i'd rather spend my money on that and bet on myself than put money in the stock market and then something happens and you know it, it right tanks. there's a war in ukraine exactly so it's it's like just kind of betting on myself right now and you know i'm confident and i got the good people around me that can help me out and i've met lots of great people through through real estate and through just sitting down looking for investors with my app and people who have offered to help me and just share their expertise and um you know i'm just really excited for the, for the future past hockey obviously i'll keep playing as long as i can but i know you know when hockey's done i'll be i'll be set up pretty well and be living a great life as, as I, well i gotta tell you i did um one game when um, the the badgers had their tournament over at the Pfizer forum this last year I- at the end of december and i was asked to go broadcast for providence their I- I announcer became ill and uh there's a player for wisconsin named roman asan asan uh, and i hope i'm getting his right ahca and his brother plays for the bruins mm-hmm. um and roman just signed with the cleveland columbus and yeah, he's yeah. playing for cleveland right for mike eves who re- i think was the one who recruited him to madison uh nonetheless um somebody was talking about him uh, i was talking about him with with some uh, a newspaper guy from madison and somebody else chimed in and says i haven't seen a guy takes so much pleasure in heavy hits since Josh Healy played at Ohio State. <laughs> Hand to God that happened. And I don't think they knew who I was, Yeah, this person who offered this sentiment, Yeah, that, that I it's knew you and all of this stuff. But I, I thought, wow, that's it's that's staying power, because that's five years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and there's quotes in the newspaper, like, when you're coming out as a college free agent, this guy hits too hard. Somebody for, said too hard. Too yeah. hard for college. <laughs> He's going to be a better pro. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny that that you mentioned that. So I was actually at both those games, yeah. uh, the Wisco games, and they had Big Ten refs. The one guy's name I won't mention, but he he was a little soft. He'd been around. Yeah. yeah, he'd give me a couple five minute majors, and he actually called three. I think it was three, two for sure. I think it was three five minute majors in the two games I watched on hits that probably weren't five minute majors. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I know it's all about safety and this and that, but I'm like, this guy's still calling those. Like, no wonder I was getting. You know, <laughs> when did you down. hitting is not easy uh when did you become a big hitter right like you are you're not you're not a small guy but you're not jared tenorti right, right? you're not even joseph labate right like you're not huge yeah i think it's just kind of like you're just born with it like a lot of things right like my grandpa was kind of a nail gun i think back in the day just would hammer guys and kind of play that way and he wasn't overly big and I still have, like, video clips of when we had some of the parents holding the, the camcorder. And I was watching some of my hits, and, like, I don't even remember making them, but I'm like, oh, my God, like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> like, that was me. And so I just have always kind of had a knack for it. 
Um, I've had some guys that I play with say, you know, just timing-wise, like, it's always been a skill of mine. And it's something, like, they couldn't do. And, I mean, like, for me, with, with the body, I want to hit as many guys as I can, but I also want to be smart and not, you know, end my career. Yeah. I'm missing a guy going through a wall or something along those lines. Right. But, um, yeah, knock on wood, uh, my shoulders have held up. Um, I keep myself in shape and kind of know what, what I'm going to put my body through. And, yeah, I've always just been that physical player and wanting to kind of, I guess, make guys keep their head up when I'm on the ice. Well, I mean, I don't think since maybe Jordan Tutu, we've had a guy that hit, like, Open ice or hits. Toots or, or Pilstrom, right? Yeah, Pilstrom also. Yeah, but those are both forwards who are coming at you. Right, at right. That's their job is just skate as hard as they yeah, can. And yeah. if they you're, miss you, they're You're absorbing it more than charging at it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes the body feels it. My mom will sometimes FaceTime me after and be like, oh, man, like, how are you feeling? And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I feel fine. And the next day I'm like, oh, man, it feels like, you know, I was in a car crash almost my next little stiff. But what, what – and this is a, I, I should have prepped you with this question. There's got to be a couple hits that sort of stand out in your mind as like, wow, I got this guy so good. And like, and after the game, you're like, I can't wait to see this highlight, right? Like, you, you got to have a few of those in mind. Yeah, there's there's definitely more more than a few. Um, <laughs> hey, goal scorers want to see, see them score goals. Hitters want to see hits. Exactly, exactly. There was uh, one time we were playing Ohio State against Minnesota. I think Tommy Novak was on the on the team. Uh, D-Man went D-to-D and hit Kyle Rao, who we, we played yeah, against. Kyle Rao, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of just, like, blacked out and stepped up, and I hit this guy so square and clean. He didn't get hurt. He kind of popped back up, but, like, it was just the most solid, clean check I've had in a long time up until recently against the guy on Rockford. Yeah. Um, where I think that's probably one of my, my best time. Right in the time chest. Ever. Yeah, just clean right into the chest. Um, I, I actually mentioned it to him on the ice. I asked if he was okay, and he said, "Yeah, I was, I was fine." So I'm, I was glad to hear that. But he's a guy I got got pretty good, and yeah, you kind of dream about those hits. And <laughs> right, absolutely. Up. So yeah, it's definitely definitely the top two that come to mind. I will say there's there's one my sophomore year we were playing Providence. There was maybe I don't know four or three seconds left in the first period, and I was on the left side, and the puck kind of got chipped out and this guy was going to, to, to clear the puck out and I came flying down the wall just destroyed this guy five minute major out of the game my coach was losing it like don't make that hit and I'm like whatever I play buzzer to buzzer the same way I <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't till I signed with the flames and a year into my contract where Frank Anzalone who was a scout who was yeah, really a big uh, a big supporter of me said I got it in my notes Josh Healy you know this date and October hit a guy on Providence, five minute major, but like clean, solid, hard hit. He's like, that's why, that's why I pushed for you. That's why I wanted to sign you. So, wow. I mean, it's a blessing in disguise sometimes. You know the way things work. And for me, like, yeah, I got some five minute majors. And but the, the the other thing that maybe people don't realize is that you have to be. You got to pick and choose. If you if you miss a hit. It's an odd. It's odd men all right. the way, and you're a defenseman right. to Aaron's point, right? So if you miss a guy, you're going from a two on two to a two on one, or maybe a three on two to a three on one. Yeah, and I don't think goalies really appreciate that. No, yeah, definitely. You gotta you gotta pick your spots, and I mean, there was the odd time, you know, I'd I'd give up a, a chance, but uh, for the most part, I was I was pretty safe and, and solid on the on the back end there, and yeah, it's just who, a, just what I did. Who recruited you at Ohio State? I was recruited by Steve Rollick. Steve Rollick. 
Yeah. Okay. Was he the head coach at that time? So Marco Siki was the head coach. Those were still the coach. Yeah. And so is that how you end up going to watch those Badger games to to see Mark or um, not necessarily? Or so Mark Strobel. Yes, of course. Was our assistant coach. Mark Strobel and I are the same age. He went to a rival high school, Hill Murray High School. Him and his brother, twin yep. brother Mike, oh, yeah, his brother. Uh, played at Hill Murray. And uh, yeah, we had a guy named Eric Rude who was in that in, in that group. And uh, Darby Hendrickson played at Richfield. There was a heck of a scene around the Twin Cities at that time. Oh yeah, yeah. The Strobel brothers they uh, they made some noise wherever they went for sure. Yeah. Most of them with each other fighting on, yeah. the, <laughs> on the ice. But um, yeah, so. I was recruited to Ohio State with Osiki there. Osiki left. Uh, I think he ended up in Rockford for a bit. Actually. He did. Right? He did. As um, assistant coach. Steve Rowlick became the head coach. Brett Larson came yeah. in as assistant coach. So we had Brett Larson and Joe Exter. And then after two years, Brett Larson left, went to Duluth. He went to Duluth as an assistant. And yep. ended up winning a national championship there. I think two national championships there. And now he's at St. Cloud. And now he's at St. Cloud as head coach. But Mark Strobel stepped in. And I don't know where he was coaching before, but he stepped in as a D coach for two years, and then he went to uh, Wisconsin. I want to say maybe last year, two years ago. It was. I think. I, I think he's in his second year. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, I've kept in touch with him and and all my other past coaches because I've been pretty lucky to have you know just just great people around me. And he said, uh, "Yeah, come to the game." I told him I live right across the street. Basically, he got me some tickets. We caught up before the games, and kind of came to support him and. Big Ten and whatnot, and we also had Lucas Craig's brother playing. Yeah, um, for Bowling Green. Sure. And then uh, obviously Mitch McLean went to Bowling Green too. Yeah. LeBate went to Wisco, so there's kind of a couple guys who won. There's a lot of interest. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool uh, to see him play there at the Pfizer. Yeah. The uh, uh, you guys have a pretty good teams at Ohio State, especially your senior year. Make it back to the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. for the first time, and I'm not sure how many years it had been. Uh, but they had a sort of a heartbreaking end of the season, uh, losing to Duluth and was it Duluth in overtime in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Uh, is that were you guys up in that game? Is that right? Sorry, I don't want to big big back bad memories, no, but that's, that's it's an uh, interesting point I think because Ohio State has not had a great doesn't have a great ho- a huge hockey history. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Like when I was a freshman sophomore, uh, freshman year we had Ryan Dezingle. Um, he was pretty solid. He's he's now in San Jose and, and Max McCormick. Those two guys we relied on heavily. Uh, we had a really really good freshman class. So by the time you know I was a, a junior and senior, our team was was pretty solid um, coming in we didn't have a great upper class so we didn't win as many games as we probably probably could have we didn't have that that depth but yeah senior year get to the tournament I was actually uh, suspended for that game so oh, you I, were I was watching in the stand <laughs> oh um, so that's even more that's painful. even more oh gosh it's more painful I I do recall um, there was a goal I think we had scored or there was an offside or something that like we should have won oh they called it back and they called it back and then it was a good game. Like, Duluth was a good team. But I know guys on the team, and they said, we had no business winning that game. Like, yeah. they ended up shooting one from the point. It gets tipped or whatever, kind of a greasy goal. Um, I think they ended up winning it that year, or if I'm not correct. Or They're in the neighborhood uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, obviously it was, it was good for, for some of those guys that I knew on the team. But, yeah, like, like I mentioned, they, meant they said that we probably should have took that game, and it sucks to be watching. But for me, it was kind of a whirlwind of a time because we played in the Big Ten – I think it was the semifinals. We lost to Wisconsin. Um, again, played well. Just kind of thought that was the end of our season. I think it was Penn State that ended up beating Wisconsin, Wisconsin for the title to get us in, and that wasn't supposed to happen. And then we needed a couple other teams to lose, and so it was kind of like haphazardly. We just luckily get in. 
and we're in Fargo. We play. Um, obviously lost. It was it was a tough game, and then I signed like basically on the plane, like right after. Really? How many teams were after you as a as a as a free agent? How many teams did you talk to? So there was four teams that were pretty heavily interested. Like legit interested. Legit interested. Um, Calgary, obviously. Calgary, Manitoba, or Winnipeg, uh, Pittsburgh, and the Flyers. And, I mean, for Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, they had pretty deep, deep prospects. Yeah. Um, so I just wasn't wasn't the spot I, I wanted to go to. Winnipeg, um, they actually offered games at the end of the season. And so, basically... So that is something they do, which is... To burn a year on your entry level. To burn a year, yeah. So... This is kind of all happening before, you know, the, the final game. So you kind of know where you're going to be or what you're going to be doing. So I was about to sign, but then Penn State wins. We go to the tournament. So now our season's pushed back two weeks. So at the time, Calgary's like, hey, we're not going to give you games. Going to give you a max entry-level deal. Sign you for, for next year, you know, two-year deal. Winnipeg had the same offer, but they said, we'll give you two games this so year. And I'm like, well, obviously you're going to go to Winnipeg, right? Because you're going to get guaranteed NHL games. We make the tournament, um, push back two weeks. Winnipeg then goes, you know what? We're still going to sign you for two years, but we're not going to give you games. Because maybe at that point they were pushing for a playoff spot. Sure, yeah. And then Calgary had the same offer. And I'm like, well, I'd rather be in Calgary than Winnipeg just from a standpoint of being close to home, can train there in the summer, close to family, had ca- family in Calgary. Uh, I love the mountains, doing hiking, biking, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So right in my backyard. And then um, they were playing out west in that new division, played less games, uh, kind of better travel and everything just kind of made more sense. So that's why I ended up going with, with Calgary. But, uh, yeah, it happened quick. And, I mean, I fast, fast forward a couple of years, now I'm here. You know, it's yeah. like it's, it's crazy. How was Stockton to live in? I've heard <laughs> maybe not the best city in the AHL. Yeah, it's uh, – like you're in Northern Cali, the travel's great. Is the weather good up there? I have no idea. The right? weather's not bad. It's a little rainy, but it's not. It is, okay. It's not just you know during the the winter season. Seasonal, yeah. Uh, but it is good. You could golf every day if you wanted to, basically. Um, I will say, like from the stats, if you look it up, like Stockton downtown, like where I lived, like there's just an arena. There's like kind of like the nice hotel like lofts, and then there's just nothing else. Yeah, so and that's tough. And that area is ranked, like, top ten worst in the United States to live. Like, of every city in the States. <laughs> oh, boy. Ability, like, from crime, yeah. you know, income. Right. Access to public transportation. Everything. So I've, I've definitely seen some pretty wild uh, wild things driving through the neighborhood there. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I didn't really leave the hotel. Like, when guys would come to, to Stockton, they'd have to stay in the hotel. They can't leave. Like, even just driving through to get to you, the grocery store, you know, you see, like, a lot of a lot of people. A lot of things are kind of like, wow, this is not. I remember, I, I remember going down to th- at that hotel, and and again, it's half of it is apartments, half yeah. of it is hotel, right? And it's through the parking lot from the rink to, so it it probably equates to maybe two blocks of a walk. Yeah. Um, but I remember asking the front desk. I wanted to go to the grocery store and get a couple of things. We were there for a couple of days or whatever. And they said, well, we'll give you a ride. And I'm like, well, how far is it? It's like, well, it's not terribly far, but we'll give you a ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you hopped in the van, and they took you there, and they waited for you outside. And Did they, they really? You back. Yeah. Wow. And they brought you back, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I still remember, like, just driving. But the ball field is right there, too, right? Ball field is there, yeah. I think they got AAA team, you uh, know? That's changed a little bit. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, the old Stockton ports. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some history there. 
um, baseball wise. But yeah, I I don't I don't even know if they're triple at what they are anymore. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Stockton. I mean, honestly, I can say like I I enjoyed being there. Like the organization was great. Um, the city again, like you know where I was wasn't great, but you, you're pretty close to San Francisco, right. Sacramento, Napa Valley, like. You can go do stuff, um, and then we we traveled to great places. Like we ended up in in Tucson, San Diego, Ontario. Yeah, sure. So I mean, I'm not complaining when I'm I'm walking on the beach in San Diego. You know, on a on a day off. Yeah, or whatever. right. Exactly. Um, when I could be in, you know, where Winnipeg. Just yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus forty weather. Walking so. through the skywalk in Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the so so you play two years in Stockton, and free agent. You end up in uh, signing with Nashville here in Milwaukee. How did that come about? So it's kind of crazy, actually. I think it's all about kind of who you know, just in general and like in life. So when I was back at school, I went to two development camps with Edmonton. My first two years, I was kind of like that age to go. And that was kind of on my own because I, I knew the player development guys there. I knew, I think, I'm not sure if Steve Tamlin, he was the GM at the time, but um, but you're paying your way, right? Basically, you're, you're, I, I, like I knew and you're staying at home, I suppose. So it's not that big of a deal, right? Right. So we end up actually staying, like, with everyone, like for the for the camp. But I knew Craig McTavish, um, just different guys in the organization who wanted wanted to bring me in and see me play. Sure. Um, I actually played with his son in in Sherwood Park for a year. Did you really? Oh, did you yeah. really? No and kidding. Yeah, so like, uh, like he played against them. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he's his like, son's not do doing not doing too bad for himself right now. No, right? yeah, right future. Yeah, he's he's pretty. Uh, pretty solid so basically like went to those two camps and kind of realized like hey like my agent's not really doing much for me like he's not getting me on any team's radars this and that uh have a really good year uh my sophomore year and then that's when calgary was kind of like hey like come down to our development camp joe rexter knew I, I should know his name i don't right now one of the player development guys in nashville who i don't think is with the organization anymore sure and he's like hey you got to see this kid get him to your camp he's He's going to be a player, you know. Was like it Red? Wade, Wade Redden? It wasn't Wade Redden. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, I, I'll, I'll try and think of the name here. Um, he's a bald guy, taller. I'm not sure if you if it's going to... Exactly Nick Beverly? No, no, Nick, no, no. Nick, Nick was his hair. Yeah, yeah he but it's, well, it's very light. It's very light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if you said his name, I'd, I'd know it. So anyway, so Joe Exter, one of my assistant coaches, reaches out to uh, this guy who knows the Nationals organization, says, hey, you got to get this guy to your camp. Sure you know see see what's up so basically that summer i go to nashville's camp have a really good camp there. development camp development camp not sorry, rookie yeah, camp yeah. development camp middle of summer um did six days there seven days whatever it is get on a flight the next morning go right to calgary um have another development camp with calgary and then like it's not uncommon for people to do too uh, but it's it's a lot depending yeah. on which ones yeah. and like nashville wasn't an easy camp like i remember being on the track at seven in the morning with Goody, and we are just getting destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. And with 80 degree weather, and the entire organization just, just lined up standing there. on the goal line. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> so, well, I mean, luckily for me, I was in pretty good shape. I did well. Um, showed pretty well at Nationals camp. Showed really well at, at Calgary's camp. Um, ended up going back to Calgary, signing with them. But it was the the introduction to Nashville's camp and mm -hmm. Scott Nickel and, and all those guys and, you know, kind of showing them what I can do at camp and who I was that really got me to sign that deal with them. Cause I didn't have much after my second year. There was no teams that were interested. I was close to going to, uh, to the, to the Dell, um, in Germany called Scott Nickel. He's like, Hey, like, you know, we got a AHL 
a East Coast deal for you. It'll roll over into an HL one way. Just sign and we'll, uh, you know, you'll, you'll work your way back kind of deal. And it wasn't for a lot of money, but as you guys know, we had a pretty good team two years ago. Yeah. Um, I only played, I think, 30 or 33 games out of the 55. Team was first place. Um, it was good in the sense that I was around, you know, great players. Practicing every day against them, I was getting better. Um, and played really well when I was in. Um, I think you remember kind of the line brawl that I started. Well, I was just, I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> There's some, there are certain games that, you know, like when you just mentioned like the, I, I it's the Jared Tenorti game I think to for, me. I think for us, the, and, and maybe Greer. it's the same for you, yeah. it's, it's a ticker tape and it just goes through your head and you forget so much about what's going on, but there are some that stay with you. The, yeah. Right. There's the Tony Herkus game for the Admirals or, or the Jeremy Smith, but there's also A.J. Greer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was only, like, I think my third or fourth game, maybe. It was the second game. It was middle of October. Yeah, uh, second, third, or second or third home yeah. game of the year. Yeah. yeah, so I ended up kind of sneaking into that as, as number seven um, just because, you know, Milwaukee had their – their depth chart kind of already figured out and ended up making a pretty pretty big hit, impacting hit, and then kind of got sucker punched to start everything to start the the second period there. And then obviously Tinner came out and you know told him he does you know you you don't do that around here. And the guy came out of the box and Tinner beat right. the wheels off. I don't. Do you ever remember someone coming out of the penalty no, box I don't, before? No. And other than Latta. Yeah, Michael Latta. That was a bench yeah. clearing brawl. Yeah. <laughs> but the, and that's the funny thing, too, is that not only does A.J. Greer come off the bench or come out of the penalty box to fight, but he comes off the penalty box to fight and get his butt kicked. Yeah, just I don't know what he was thinking. Um, <laughs> Do you know Greer? You had pl- no. did, you hadn't. You didn't well, know. you know what? I, I played against him a lot in my career. My first game ever when I played in San Antonio, he was on the Colorado the the split team, yeah. and yeah. I, I hammered him that. I, I had hammered him a lot of times, and he's one guy I would love to play again, like, I, w- I'm, I wish Colorado didn't trade him out of, you know, our division <laughs> or whatever, because I would love to play that guy again. He's one guy that's like kind of on the list where it's just like <laughs> I would, I would line him up if I could. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like for me, like that was kind of like the turning point where that's on his Sports Ox profile, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that was kind of like the one I think turning point uh, for me. And then the next night, I actually hammered um, Pumple, I think his name was, and then Makarov chased me down the ice. And there's another kind of line brawl, mini line brawl in the corner. And I remember there's uh, Tommy Novak and Rem Pitt. Like, I think those guys are on the ice. And they're just standing there and, like, they're fresh out of college. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, what is this league? And I'm, like, thinking this is what it was at West when I first came in. Yeah. Guys like, like Luke Gazdick, you know. Um, was McGratton <laughs> with you in Stockton at he, all? No, he wasn't there. Okay. He was there as a like, player development guy. But okay. He didn't actually play with me. Uh, but the guys like McDermott now, who are you know, yeah, he, oh was, in, oh my he God. was in Ontario. Yeah, um, yeah, we had some like Leambus. Was that Scott the night? Sovereign. Was that the night that uh, no, it wouldn't have been because I think you said well, that uh, Tanner Janot broke uh, uh, what's his name's jaw uh, in a fight. It was, was it against it, GR? It was against GR. Shine? Yeah, it was it Shine? Don, yeah, Dominic Shine. I, what was it? What no, I, that was, that was a different that game. Yeah. That was here when that happened. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of like made my impact really early in the first few games I played with some big hits and had a couple fights and uh, played well when I was in. Didn't play a crazy amount because our team was so good, but played really well when I was in. And they signed me for the next season. Um, obviously, with COVID and stuff, I was like, you know what, I'll take what I can. Didn't yeah. play that many games. Who knows what the future holds? 
ended up going to Chicago last year um, under contract with Milwaukee and just again kind of prison rules like we played in that Carl, Carl Taylor says that between you and Tanner Janot he was scared for the other players on the team like it was men against boys yeah like last year was a different was a different league we're in a practice rank uh, we're playing basically the same team a lot of 19 20 year olds and eight, eight, even 18 year olds yeah. could play yeah yeah it was it was pretty interesting we played teams that played a similar style to say like you know me and, and Tanner just like GR and Iowa they just hit and grind yeah and like that's the kind of games I love to be in and when more guys are coming at me it's it makes my job easier in a sense because I can hit them when they're coming at me instead of me trying to line them up so last year I still remember a couple games with me and Tanner we'd play Iowa and it'd just be who can have the most hits <laughs> almost and uh I got chased down the ice a lot more than I, I wanted to have been chased down the ice in those 33 games. I think I fought eight times. Um, something I'm comfortable doing now. I don't like to do it, but I'm comfortable doing it. And I mean, it's like Scooter and Florida would be like, hey, like you don't got to fight you know, every third game or whatever. It's appreciated, but we don't, we don't need you doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, I played well, just kind of made some strides in my game. They signed me to an NHL deal to finish the season. Right. And then... Uh, with that came an AHL, AHL deal for this year. So an NHL deal for this year. AHL deal for this year. AHL, AHL for this year. year. I finished yeah. the at the trade last, last year. Correct. On, a, on an, an NHL, NHL deal. deal. Yeah. Sorry. So we'll see what happens this year. I've talked to Scooter, but I don't know if I can even say this. But uh, he said, you know, something's kind of in the works for trade deadline, air, like timeline. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to be back. I like Milwaukee. I like the coaching staff, organization. Um, you know, I feel I've kind of earned, earned my place here and earned a role. Um, leadership wise, both on and off the ice. And if they want to keep me around, that's, that's it, it begs the question. And you're an again, this gets back to you being such an interesting player. Everybody wants to be in the NHL as a player, right? A, a, a whatever you're doing, coaching, so on and so on. Um, but there's also something to be said about liking where you're at. Mm hmm. And and not necessarily being satisfied. Well, exactly. Satisfied is not the word. Comfortable is certainly not the word. Mm -hmm. But there is something about being happy, maybe, with your lot in life, or happy where you, I mean, there, that doesn't mean you can't grow and you can't all of that stuff. But at the same time, you can't be so miserable that you're not somewhere that you're wrecking what you do have. Yeah, definitely. And I think for for me, like. Like you know, life kind of because well. you could be a miserable, miserable, a miserable prick as well. You know, you're playing, thinking, you're yeah. playing 35 instead of games instead of 55 games. Yeah. You're, whatever the reason, right? I mean, you'd be like, oh, screw this place. I don't need it. I yeah, need de it. definitely. I think like for me, I'm just kind of a big believer in you know, life. It is what it is. Just make the most of it. Be happy. See an opportunity and, and take it. And uh, <laughs> there's a, a story called it's a guy called this Chinese farmer. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. Basically, like. Um, his horse runs away and all the neighbors or the people in the town go, oh, this is, this is horrible. And he's like, well, maybe, right? And then the horse comes back with seven or eight wild horses. And they're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And he's like, well, you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and then his kid is riding one of the wild horses, falls off, breaks his leg. And then the people of the town are all like, oh, my God, that's, that's horrible. But then the conscription office comes and says, hey, we need your son for war. Oh, we can't go because he's got a broken leg. And like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so essentially, like, what it means is, like, you'll never know if something's good or bad in your life, right? Like, you just got to kind of roll with, with the punches because you'll never know that where that's going to lead you, to, like, the next day or the yeah. next week or next month. So for me, being in Milwaukee, like, I, again, like I, I like the city. 
Um, we got great fans here. It's it's a good group of guys, good organization. Obviously, the goal is is Nashville and, and the NHL. But I mean, at the end of the day, if, like you mentioned, if you enjoy, we do getting up and you know you got kind of a purpose in life and you're happy and you're healthy and you're exercising. That that's kind of almost more important to me than playing in the NHL or being under contract with an NHL team, but you're living in a, in a city where it's like you can't go outside and it's not yeah, safe yeah, and it's yeah. like miserable and you don't see the sun. Like, um, yeah, like I just I just enjoy Milwaukee as it is, like hanging out with you guys. And I uh, I agree with you, and I and I'm 49, so it's easy for me to say that. And and I've got a family and all of this stuff. And um, but you're not from here. You're. I mean, it, it, w- when do you think you got that? mentality did it come with the second contract did it come when you were 18 did it come i mean where did that come from uh i I don't know honestly i just kind of have been someone that's not really reactionary over time like i'm i'm pretty conservative um and analytical like with just anything in life that that kind of let's sit on it think think about it yeah and so I just never get too high never get too low it's kind of what i what i live by and i'm just again kind of thankful for what I've been given and what I have and you know going to Ohio State and being in Columbus for four years getting a great education was blessed to sign an NHL deal um, still have that dream alive you know still I'm fighting for that um, but also have a lot of great things going on outside of hockey so I mean for me hockey's not 100% my life like if I get injured you know today knock on wood I still got things I can do where a lot of guys that I know a lot of guys in the room like I don't know what they would do sure if they didn't have hockey I today. think there's a lot of guys in that room that if you said what will you do if you don't have hockey tomorrow they have no idea no idea not a and, and that's not a knock to them it's just maybe it's, it's, it's much it's life experience it's like and where you're at right. yeah. and almost yeah. the way they've been raised hum, like as a professional athlete you've always been the best mm-hmm. on all your teams so you haven't had the need to figure out what you're going to do next yeah a little bit of adversity is always always a good thing and it's something I faced early in, in life um, especially in, in hockey so playing sports has you know kind of grown that or, or built that uh, rapport with me and I just think yeah just appreciate what you have and enjoy life and you know things will go go pretty good for you so what kind of investment packages do you have for sports ox aux by the way and it's on your uh apple on devices I- I- ios ios, iOS, iOS. yeah yep. uh so wh- what do you mean by that exactly well if i wanted to invest in your company how would i do it could i give you a hundred dollars or do you need a hundred thousand or wh- what do you need what what do, what is your business plan what is, what do you have um that that's a number that Right now, um, I don't have. Okay. I, I just finished kind of like one round here with uh, with a group of investors, so I'm pretty pretty excited about that. So the investors, and forgive me uh, for cutting in, um, are they people you knew from somewhere, or that is it something like somebody said, "Hey, you should check out this." Like group you want to go on Shark Tank? You've been on Shark Tank yet? <laughs> I haven't been on Shark Tank. Okay. Um, There's a local one. Is there a local Shark Tank? Uh, Patrick Reed uh, Purdue, uh, is is involved oh. with the one that's on uh, it's on Channel Twelve. Yeah. Well, let's get him going. Yeah, right? we'll get him, yeah I'll get him on the podcast here. <laughs> um, yeah, for for me, uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 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 so <laughs> I mentioned Shark Tank. Yeah, how do you how do you find how do you find investors? How how, right. do you, how do you go about finding investors? Are you making are you active in calls? Are you going to people who buy, uh, you know, speculation type, I mean, wh- how do you do this? Right, right. So to go back, and now I remember your first question when, y- when you mentioned that. Um, so these guys I knew through a family friend. Okay. Um, actually, one of my old coaches who coached me in Midget, he's like, hey, these guys, you know, got some 
some WHL team or got a WHL team and an AJ team, their own league. They just sold their company. Uh, they might be interested. So I actually kind of pitched the idea to him, and he was not totally sold on it. It actually was a year year later where I ended up coming back and really sitting down with him, and, and that's when I, I got his interest. Um, but along the way, like the last two and a bit years, I really didn't think it would be as hard as it was to find an investor or a couple investors. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, like I wasn't looking for that much money. Like I was looking for maybe about 300,000 US um, in exchange for equity in the company. And I mean, to some people that might sound like a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, you look at the numbers and you know, kind of what you expect to make revenue wise, like it's really, it's really not that much. And I had a lot of people who were, you know, multi-millionaires, hundred millionaires that had made their money in oil or things along those lines back in Alberta. But sure. the tech just seemed to scare them. Like, like they're willing to go spend a hundred million to drill into a, you know, into the ground and yeah. maybe find yeah. oil. But yeah. they wouldn't put, you know, a hundred thousand into an app that in my mind, right, that is like it's viable, it's needed, it's yeah. going to help people, it's going to generate revenue sooner than if you so do you have to do you got pie charts and you've got the whole packet that you have to present and all yeah, of this yeah. stuff and dress up in a suit and yeah and you do the whole thing yeah it's been uh it's been pretty good so i, I i'm very comfortable with doing that being new people and is it just uh, you it is just me right now me, okay. and, me and my and my mom she's she's helped me out okay uh kind of with the finances you know she's uh, she's pretty good with the taxes and accounting accounting and all that yeah stuff, yeah, so yeah she definitely helps me out kind of like the real estate side of things too she's good with numbers that's so great we make a pretty pretty good team um but yeah for me like i just met with tons of people a lot of cold calls a lot of family friends and friends or business guys through just different people i know sit down for for a coffee for lunch kind of pitch my ideas see what they think and um a lot of great people i've met like there's this one guy um he has a company called sure hire and basically what it is it's like a company that started in edmonton where the admirals could go to him and say, hey, we want to hire this person, have you, like, background checked him, or does he yeah. have, like, his sure hire? And he went from, like, one building to all across Canada in, like, a year and a bit. Wow. And now he's he's someone who I, I'm going to lean on, I think, pretty heavily to help grow the company and uh, just kind of get his, his expert advice because he's he's been through it. So I've met tons of people like that who are in different fields, but they understand business and they're willing to help. The kids are in hockey. Uh, they see the value of it, and um, yeah, for me, like I've just got tons of experience with different different people in in business, and um, any avenue I want to go, I can I can call someone up, and I would have uh, a contact. So th- when you're at Ohio State, uh, and I don't want to stretch this out too much too much further here, but when you're at Ohio State, do they prep you on doing these? I mean, you, you're a finance major. I, do, do they prep well, you, did you on have a class on entrepreneurship? Yes, exactly. Um, you're going in, and or, or is it like student teaching where you're going to, hey, here, here's this the, the class project this semester is this, go out and find a backer kind of thing. Yeah, so I never actually took like an entrepreneurship uh, class at school. I don't even think there was one that was offered at the time at Ohio State. Uh, the Ohio State. I was going to say, <laughs> don't you need the, you need the noun modifier? I can't believe we got, yeah, we're, yeah. we're almost an hour in, and the first time you've uh, <laughs> said, you got to, hey, don't forget the article yeah, yeah. there. Um, but no, there there wasn't a class or or any sort of program that really teaches you how to run your own business. Like I think that's kind of one of the flaws with school in itself. There are some different schools that offer classes on entrepreneurship, but for me, like... Practical experience. Practical experience, like even just making a business plan like it's crazy what goes into that the detail that you know has to be made and then just dealing with lawyers legal fees 
con like contractual stuff. Yeah, you take a law class, but like it's not like a law class on bringing on an investor. Right. No, it's a law things. class right. on contracts. Yeah. Or, your, and yeah, and your, or your internship is filing as opposed to doing exactly real yeah, stuff. They don't teach you some of like you know shotgun clauses or you know right. unanimous shareholder agreements that's going to cost you thirty grand to just to get set up before you even bring an investor on. Like it's all things you learn on on the job. So that's one thing I think schools could do better at mm -hmm. is just more practical knowledge on even how to like interview or how to like talk to people like i don't know like i, I just don't think that that's really expressed it's more about like hey you're going to be an accountant or I finance major and like that's your role and like we'll teach you to do that role but anything past that like you're on your own which i mean credit to the people who do it and take that risk but i think at the same time there's got to be some sort of guidance because like Again, like I've relied heavily like on my mom, and my dad, and some of my my close family friends who have been in the situation of starting their own business. But like, if I didn't have that, like, I don't even know where I'd go. I have to go to YouTube, right? To find out like yeah, how how to find an angel investor, yeah. how to change a battery in a car, and then uh, yeah. <laughs> how to uh, how to solicit donors for seed money for my business. Yeah, exactly. And that's the one thing I will say for for people listening here, kind of looking to I guess get an investor. The one thing I found and I found is very interesting is. Like, everyone's going to think they have a great idea, right? And I, I don't know if my product, when it goes to market, is going to take off or not, right? We'll find out very soon. I'm, I'm hoping it does. I'm planning it does. Sure. But everyone's got their, their idea. So when you keep pitching to these investors, like, what I found with a lot of, say, VCs or angel investors, is like, they want to see revenue before yeah. they invest. Yeah. And, like, what I can't wrap my head around, and I still can't wrap my head around this, is, like, if I'm generating revenue, I don't need you to invest in my company. Right. I need you to invest in my company so I can get started. Right. And then I can pay you back. But like all these all these companies are like, yeah, like talk to us when you have a bit of revenue and this and that. And I'm like, well, I don't need you then. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like I'm making money. I can just put that money back into development and then uh, go from there. So I don't know, for people who are uh, who are starting their own company, I think you just gotta keep grinding and keep, keep taking interviews and uh, really pushing your product. Because for me, it, it was two and a bit years probably two years longer than I thought I was going to take, if I'm being totally honest. And I probably took 50 interviews with different people, different business men and women, and, uh, you know, just, just got something finalized now. But it, it took a long time, and you just got to get used to saying no. And so are, here are, and are, you, are you cold calling order. people? Not cold calling per se, but it would be a lot of, like, this guy owns this company. Hey, I got a buddy who's doing this. He'd be great. And yeah. he's, he's maybe at a VC firm. Hey, my one buddy in New York does this. So like, I've definitely been cold calls, quote unquote, with people, but it's through. There's a yeah. There's, there's a reason. There's, there's a reason I'm, I'm not just like hey. Yeah, but, that's but, so you're not picking up the phone book and. But saying that, like, there's there's some people, uh, some VCs or you know companies I did contact and basically cold call. And they took my call and they're interested in it and they're sports related or they're sports tech spart uh, sports tech startups. But at the end of the day, they they kind of want to see some revenue. So yeah. Um, it's almost, again, kind of like a Chinese farmer, like worked out for the best because these guys I got now, I think, are the best people that I've interviewed with. And it took from a year and a bit ago, interviewing them to now, uh, for them to come around. But I would want no one else by my side when I go into hockey and, and kind of start this journey. So I'm pretty excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so do you, uh, I, I, and again, I, I'm sorry I'm belaboring uh, and keeping you longer than, than you had no, planned. Yeah, no, we yeah. got 30 yeah. minutes. Do you, go. do you move, um, so will it, do you, do you foresee a, a thing where, hey, we're just hockey now, but next year we're going to be basketball, we're going to add basketball. The year after that we're going to add soccer. We're going to add 
American football. We're going to add yep. baseball, uh, whatever it might be, tennis, baseball all sports. To me, baseball would seem to be the next logical step because it's there's so many minor the youth players, level the, yeah. right? Right? Like uh, uh, basketball, yeah, has the G League. Football has nothing. Mm-hmm. There's more. Uh, this independent is league baseball and, right. and things like that. Right. Where it's literally like y- you have to. You if you make a wrong decision, it could kill your career. Right. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. So I, I did mention earlier that the goal right now is hockey, kind of work out the kinks, yeah. see what works, what doesn't work, uh, what features are you know most utilized and which ones kind of aren't. Replicate that model, find the right people to put in place, right figureheads, move into all other major sports, and uh, kind of go from there. Like, I want to set the standard for all sports. Like, if you want to get recruited, you go on the sports talks, you know? Yeah. I want to facilitate that accountability, transparency, and connectivity amongst players, coaches, and agents worldwide and in every sport and just make it overall safer um for players to to play and safer for coaches too you know yeah because they can they can obviously be reviewed and um just want to promote the good ones and have the other guys fall off to the side of course of course i i just want to circle back just to this current admirals team right now right team's playing very well Mm -hmm. start slow start to the season what's different why is the team playing better now and what's what's this what's this is the sky the limit here yeah um to answer your first question about what's what's going better now i don't know i think uh we just kind of had to find our game a little bit the first 15 20 games or so i think we were last place at one point do you think yeah. well, you were up until beginning of january and yeah. i'm wondering do, do you think because you spent you were one of those who spent time in chicago last year do you think losing a year here we talk about 16 new players coming in at the beginning of this season. There's always new players. Right. Maybe not 16, but there's, mm-hmm. always, there's always 10, 11 new cha- players. Change is the year. only constant. Yes. Um, but do you think that it hurt not being in Milwaukee for so many of these players? Even the, even like yourself, not being yeah. here and establishing um, a, a home and all of this stuff. I don't think so, personally. I think it was almost good to be in Chicago. Like, we had such a good team. Yeah. Like, on the ice, it was just like, best of the best you know all first rounders um top end guys and we obviously played basically like a war playoff game every night it seemed like um yeah. so i i didn't i didn't mind but i guess I'm, I'm i'm talking more about the culture like because carl i don't you know as carl was still the head coach of the milwaukee admirals true but that's carl that's wasn't true. the one setting the tone in the locker right. room Carl's because of he know, he's big on culture yes. yeah yeah no i i would say it was it was still a good thing to be there like the way the Wolves have ran their organization top They're down top-notch, is absolutely. unbelievable. It's just like here. So, um, exper- I disagree. But <laughs> 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 so experiencing that and seeing um, you know, how they run their team, like I was very impressed um, and very happy to be there. And going to the rink was enjoyable every day, just like it is coming here. So credit to them. I know they're, they're one of our rivals, but it's a team like we like playing against right now. We could see them in the playoffs. For sure. Hopefully see them in the playoffs. And uh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my time there was short, but I got nothing but good things to say about their coaching staff and the and the management. Um, so, kind of circling back to your question about right now, like, yeah, we were thirty-one to thirty-one, and I think there's no no excuses to be made, obviously. But we had maybe a couple guys who we thought would end up on our team that got claimed off waivers, mm-hmm. or you know, COVID hit us pretty good. So it did before there was any really plan by the league on yeah. what to do. If so that same thing had happened, we probably got shut down. But instead, it's like, okay, go play. Right, right. So we did lose a lot of uh, a lot of man games to to COVID. Um, did you have to play forward for a game? I did play forward for I think it was just one game. In one Col- game in Colorado, because we had all the forwards that were getting hurt or getting and sick. Getting and getting caught. Nash- Nashville was having co- 
issues. Yeah. Had you ever? When was the last time you played forward before that? Oh man, I hadn't played forward. And what did Rawls say to you? It was just like, just go hit people. Yeah, he's like, just go out there. And I actually, I think I played pretty well that game. I don't know if you, if you remember. Aaron that. was, was there. there. I was somewhere. home with COVID. Uh, yeah, just kept it pretty simple. Just position. Pucks in, pucks yeah, out. Pucks in, pucks out. Hit some guys. Got a fight. Got beat up a little bit, but uh, yeah, other than that, it was it was pretty fun. But I mean, overall, I think our guys have just kind of come together in the room, kind of figured out what we needed to do to win, and kind of found our identity as a team. And I don't know if other teams have lost guys or what the deal is. You know, we're kind of worried about what we're doing, and I think just we found our groove. Our goalies are solid now. So yeah, Rock has made a big addition to us this year, helping us out on the on the front end, uh, with scoring goals and whatnot. But I think overall, just the guys are kind of pulling together and playing for each other, and it's uh, it's been fun to see. So we usually wrap these up with saying, when you think of Milwaukee, what do you think of? It's a little unfair to say that because you're, you're here, uh, but you've also been here for a couple of seasons. So we can talk a little bit about, and, and maybe ch- change the question a little bit, to uh, what has it been about Milwaukee that you have enjoyed? I feel like it's a pretty good sports town, like a really good sports town. Uh, and you have gone to all the venues. You've done. I've done it all. Uh, I saw a playoff game here last year with, with the Brewers. Um, haven't caught a, a Bucks playoff game or, or the run here. Unfortunately, I wasn't wasn't here for that. But uh, I've gone to a bunch of games, and then obviously our games. And you got uh, Wisconsin just up the road at you know Madi- in Madison there, and I played in the Big Ten. So I just think like overall the states just a pretty good place to be. You know, their their hockey, their their sports crazy. Being Milwaukee, I kind of feel like it's a mini Chicago. You don't really get lost, but it's a good college town, too. Lots of colleges here, lots to do, lots of youth, uh, lots of excitement. And, I mean, for me, I, I enjoy walking to the rink every day and walking down Water Street and just seeing what's what's going on. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is that there's a lot of support from not just the city but the surrounding area. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that gets me fired up and makes me want to play here again. Awesome. Thank you so much for giving so much of your time here today. It was it was really a lot of fun, and uh, uh, it, it's amazing that you weren't indoctrina- indoctrinated as a Red Wings fan as opposed to <laughs> all of this stuff with your grandpa there. But uh, but anyway, did he have any Gordy Howe stories? Um, I don't think that you can recall. Not that I can. I put you on the spot. Put you on the spot. Terry Sawchuck or any? Uh, yeah, any I heard that name a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's definitely told me a couple stories around the the campfire or you know the family dinners. So I'll have to ask him and get get refreshed. Uh, That'd be great. Back home. That'd be great. Thanks for doing this. No, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's Josh Healy, uh, and thank you for listening to this uh, Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Let it simmer.